So Ian, you were, you were sh- um, great message this morning, by the way, thank you. Um, loads of inf- stuff in there, but you said, one of the things you said, that knowing the Holy Spirit's power in your life was key to releasing the release of spiritual gifts. Can you tell us more? And you're fiddling with your microphone. I don't know if I could work out how to switch it on. It's already on. <laughs> you're on. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, really, just to... Because I think as you, look, as you read through the book of Acts, what is clear is that every experience that all the individuals in the book of Acts have of the Holy Spirit is different. It, it's a different set of circumstances almost every time. But one thing is consistent is that number one, power comes on somebody and then the gifts come afterwards. And it's the power that enables the gifts. And I gave a bit of testimony this morning about things that changed in my life at the moment that I made a decision, actually following through the decision wasn't particularly significant in a strange way. So, for example, I gave testimony this morning that how I'd battled against being baptized for, for years, ten, over 10 years. Uh, and then God spoke to me, uh, and I phoned up our church leader and said that I wanted to be baptized. And when I put the phone down, I knew I was different. There was a power in me uh, which uh, I can't really explain. Uh, it was not, you know, sort of wild and wacky or anything like that. I just knew that I was different. And then the, the time when I was actually baptized quite a few weeks later, uh, to be honest, for me, was just going through the process of what I'd already decided. And absolutely nobody heard my testimony because we were under the flight path for Ringway. Uh, and a plane came over <laughs> when, I was, when I was doing that. But strangely enough, in the weeks that followed, there were quite a lot of other blokes of my age and of my situation also wanted to be baptized. Uh, it has never happened before. Uh, and God seemed to, to work in their lives as well in the same way that he had through me. Uh, so in terms of splitting up the power and the gifts, it's not easy to, to do that. But certainly, scripturally, the power precedes the gifts. Then the gifts come out as a result of the power. It's not the other way around, where you're particularly gifted in something, and that then gives you great power, and you find yourself doing amazing spiritual things. It's not that. So there was, there was the receiving of the Spirit, John 20. Then there was the baptism in the Spirit, which is the promise of Joel from Joel 2, uh, in Acts 2. And then there was the power, and then there was the spiritual gifts. And that's certainly what Ian's experience has been, as he's just testified. That's my experience. Um, what about yourself? <laughs> well, I find it really interesting because God really spoke to me when I first became a Christian um, about the fact that the same spirit that was upon Jesus has been placed upon us. And when Jesus stood up having been baptized, he, he went to the temple and he that passage from Isaiah 61 where he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. And that same spirit I knew that inhabited Jesus is in my life. I knew that the spirit of God had given me power. And one of the verses when, I, when I've traveled around that God really laid on my heart was from 1 Corinthians 2.4, which says, I come to you not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And just seeing the release of the power of the Spirit of God as you proclaim the word 
His word has got power and authority. And you know, when you know that you've been empowered by the Spirit, you see the gifts begin to flow, the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of tongues, gifts of wisdom, discernment of spirits. Um, you just see all those gifts begin to flow. And I just think, yeah, the, yes, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and that he anoints you to be able to administer his gifts uh, to serve the community. Great. Right. Hold on a minute, Ian. Just let me just jump in here. So, so, so um, it, it, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, it says that he gives us power to become the children of God. So he gives us power to become the children of God. So it's a process. So it's, it's not just an event in a moment in time, but it's that onward going of God's power working in us as we're becoming the children of God. And I think it's important that we continue to study the word of God and allow the spirit of God to illuminate us and give us a revelation of the power that was placed in us. It says, it says the same power, the same spirit which raised Christ from the dead dwells in us as Christians. And it, I think it's, it's, it's important that as we continue to ask the Spirit of God, as we study the Word of God, to give us an illumination and an awareness, like our eyes are opened to enter um, on a Sunday morning, for example, whereas if someone has the gift of prophecy or tongues. So what do you think somebody should do if they feel that they've got a gift and they want to see that expressed in their life? Whereas someone else seems to be getting more of a, of a, of a not necessarily a platform, but it, you know, the, one, of, one of what you call the, almost could call the bigger gifts. What, what should they do? Uh, okay, I, I think there's a, there's a big lie behind the whole thing of inferiority. Uh, we've all been given gifts. We might not all have the same gifts. We've all been given gifts to be used for the glory of God. It's not about us. And I think that's a really important thing to understand, is that it's not about us. It's for his glory. That's the purpose of the gifts. And he, you know, he, he gives it irrespective of who we are. These are his gifts. He gives to us, and he doesn't withdraw them. Now, I've seen people prophesying um, and I'm thinking oh it'd be amazing to be able to hear from God like that Uh, and I shared with you when I shared my testimony how when I walked into church I saw people speaking in tongues and there was tears rolling down their face I was like I want that and there was just such a hunger in me but I think it should be driving us deeper into God. So you're seeing people hearing the voice of God and being able to prophesy and give words of knowledge well, rather than feeling in fear, oh, I can't do that, it's, it encourages you, it pushes you forward. And you think, you know, I want, if I want to be able to hear the voice of God, I need to be spending time in his presence. You know, we can only know the heart of, of, of if you're married, your husband, if you actually spend time with them and you begin to sound like them, the more time you spend with them. Um, and it's true of God. When we spend time in the presence of God, we're hearing his voice, we're, we're knowing his thoughts, we're knowing his ways. And so the idea of feeling inferior because we're seeing somebody else operating in a gift, I think we've all been given something different. Maybe it's discernment, maybe it's wisdom, maybe it's not an upfront gift. You've been given the gift of administration. You know, if you've been given the gift of administration, there's a jealousy in me because that's something I really struggle with. Um, 
and we can, we can all feel inferior in so many ways, but we have to recognize we've all been gifted differently. And if it's something that we truly desire, the Spirit of God is saying to us, earnestly desire the higher gifts, desire the gift of prophecy. And so it's about, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. And, and I think it's the same with, with the gifts in the church as well, uh, that God gives us gifts as a body. That is all of us. And we all have different functions. And the problem comes when some churches and some historical sort of groups have made it clear that in their view, if you don't have certain of the gifts, you aren't a proper Christian. And, and that is something that isn't biblical, and it certainly isn't the Free Methodist teaching. Yeah, I think both Sarah and Ian has hit it on the head. Um, inferiority, there's a lie behind inferiority, and this is the lie. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. That's the lie behind inferiority. And when you really face that, sometimes we have to face our fears. And what we're saying is, is what God's placed in me, in the gift that God's placed in me, is not good enough. And we have to come to the place of saying, God has created me, and he's created me wonderfully. Because he's created me, and that's what the psalmist says. And he's placed me in a body. And sometimes when we're in a, a church and we're in a culture, one of our tendencies is that we, 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 we place higher some gifts more than others. And we really shouldn't do that. And so when we bring esteem to some gifts, maybe people that are on the, uh, on the platform here, and then we say, well, my gift isn't as good as that. And that's really not biblical thinking. And we need to come to a place where we know who we are in Christ and the gift that God has placed in us. And we need to grow in that. And, and I would say to you, if you're struggling with those kind of insecurities and inferiorities and that person is better than me and I wish I was like like that I would I would suggest that you step back and bathe yourself and get rooted and grounded in the love that God has for you and the grace that God has poured on your life and start to know who you are because we are royalty we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a daughter and a son of the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is your father. You are a daughter and a son. And when we put that royal robe on and we start to embrace who we are, our identity, and the gift, the wonderful gift that God has placed in your life, then you can be no more inferior in somebody else's presence. I mean... But as a Christian, you are part of the body. And the point that I think we're all making is that we all have gifts because we're part of Christ's body. And if you don't know what your part is, that is when... Ignored him. Do, do the, do the, just do it one more time. Because <laughs> I, I actually think you actually nail it quite nicely. Well, th this dog was running along the canal bank. Uh, and I'm thinking, what do you do with this staffy that's out of control? And you can't get the thing back, because not everybody likes staffies. Um, and it struck me that I wasn't shouting the dog in the same way that, uh, that John would. So I put on a fairly, what I thought was a reasonable attempt at a, right. a, a Scottish accent, and yelled, Toby! Toby! <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been set up? And this dog skids to a halt. Literally, he skidded to a halt and came trotting back to me. 
you know, his master's voice. You know, do we recognize our master's voice in all the other noises? Because I believe, and I've said from the pulpit on any number of times, I believe God speaks to us every day. Mm. And we just don't realize it. And and we're too busy with other stuff. And we just think it's a daft idea to go and do that now at this moment in time. But actually, it's a God prompt. And it's only when you do these God prompts uh, that you see stuff happening and very significant things happening. And I'm sure there are many people in the church who can say that they've reacted to a what seemed like a crazy God prompt. But the doors that it opened were amazing. So respond. I mean, just, yeah, just to talk into that as well, I think, I, think you're, I think we have to understand it's not about the gift, it's about the giver. Yes. We have to focus on the giver above all things. And as we do that, understand our relationship with the giver. You know, God is a creator of all things. He is the one who has done it all for us. And we often think we have to get to a place where we are, as you were saying, where we think we're good enough. No, no, no. We are already there because of Jesus. So I am an ambassador of Christ. Anything that I do less than that is me taking away from him and what he's already done in my life. So if we, you know, as we go out tonight, don't think, oh, well, I'll sort this out, this out, this out. No. If you believe and you are a Christian and you are following him, you are an ambassador of Christ. You are clothed in royal robes. We were singing this morning, it gets me every time, in royal robes I don't deserve. I don't, wait, I get goosebumps. Um, but yeah. I mean, there's an amazing list of, of uh, different gifts up there. Um, and as someone who runs an alpha course in the church often, when, when, we, when we come to doing the stuff on the Holy Spirit and on gifts, there is one question, I'm going to ask it, because I think it would help tonight to actually consider it, is, so what is the purpose of speaking in tongues? Okay, I'll, I'll pick up on that, and then uh, Ian and Sarah can have a, have a grab. So <clears throat> when, when, I, when you uh, study the, the scriptures that were read out this morning, especially the 1 Corinthians 12, the 1 Corinthians 14, there's fundamentally three purposes for uh, speaking in tongues that you see. And this comes up, of course, on the Alpha video, as you know, uh, Ian. Um, uh, And and it's all primarily about who the audience is, Mm -hmm. primarily. Uh, And so uh, Paul talks about uh, those who speak in tongues talk to God and and not to man. And so that's the personal use of tongues. Uh, And the Bible talks a lot about that. Jude is a prime example in the the book of Jude. It says, build yourself up in the most holy of faith, praying in the spirit. And Paul says that uh, I want you all to speak in tongues, he says. Uh, And so that's the personal use when people are praying to God. You can do that in the shower. You can do that walking down the street. You can do that when you're feeling that need to be edified and strengthened. That's your personal relationship with God. Number two, the second purpose is is the audience is the church. The first audience is God. The second audience is the church. And Paul talks about that. And Paul is very concerned that the, the use of the gift when it comes to speaking in church 
church is done in order and done in the right way. And so Paul says that if someone speaks to the church through the gift of tongues, that would need a, an interpretation so that everybody can be edified. And if that interpretation is not there, then Paul goes on to say that person should continue to speak in tongues to God rather than to the church. And then the third use of tongues is a sign to uh, people who are not yet Christians. Of course, that was made clear on the day of Pentecost, uh, Acts 2, when people heard uh, the praises and the gospel in their own language. And we still have that today. I mean, certainly uh, when I've been out on the mission field, I've heard people speaking in a language they've not learned, and other people recognize that language. And that still happens uh, today. So there's three uses of the gift of, of tongues or the purpose of tongues in the Bible. In terms of speaking it in, in tongues, one thing to add really to Ian Singh, and it's from my own experience, uh, I don't speak in tongues publicly, uh, but I found that when I don't know what to pray, I get this prompt from God that says, pray in your tongue. And I pray in my tongue, and it seems, I get a sense in my spirit that that has actually broken through, and that has been the issue to pray for. Uh, and, and so for me, uh, I've never spoken out loud in tongues so that everybody can hear it because it's prompted by the Holy Spirit. It's not a sort of show thing that you can put on because it's led by the Spirit. Uh, but it helps me in my prayers when I don't know what to pray. I pray in a tongue and it just somehow seems to go through into heavenly places. I, I can't explain it, but that's what is my experience. Well, I mean, my experience is very, very similar and I was going to share similar stories of people who have given a word and someone else from the country in their dialect has heard the message um, of truth, which is amazing. Um, I think what you were saying about hearing, you know, speaking, the, speaking in tongues when you're praying, I think also asking God for the interpretation of that sometimes and finding yourself praying for things you've not got any idea about, but you're praying in English for a situation and then you realise, wow, actually, this is what was actually going on. Uh, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, Holy Spirit, you've just prayed through me um, and now you've revealed to me what it's about and I'm now praying intelligibly. Uh, about the situation. In fact, there was an occasion when I was actually prayer walking in the middle of the night with a group of friends at university, and it was about two o'clock in the morning, and we were praying over a church, and we just felt this real darkness. And I went to church the next day, and the lady that uh, I often spent a lot of time with, she said to me, Sarah, this may seem a really silly question, but where were you at two o'clock this morning? And I said, well, I was actually out prayer walking. And she said, the Spirit of God woke me up and I was praying for you. I was just praying in the Spirit and I just really felt that you were under attack. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's amazing that I was actually out there. I was feeling the oppression and we were really like praying outside this church. And my, this lady who was about 20 miles away was woken in the middle of to the, to the giver of the gift. As, as well. I think there's one thing I, I would just add, and, and, and that is about group dynamics. 
know quite how to put it rightly. But, for example, at Corinth, which was the church where most of the stuff is written to, but again, most of the other churches, uh, those churches, the historians tell us, were probably somewhere between 40 and 100 or so people. Uh, now, that is an area, a group, a number of people where everybody knows each other, uh, and there's a sense of relationship uh, that happens there. Uh, it's a totally different dynamic, I think, if you've got four or 500. Uh, and, and I can't quite work out how that all, all relates. But the thing that really, I think, is important is that tongues and interpretations and these things work best in a situation where there is trust. Uh, and you know the person, and there is a sense of, of, of trust there. And home groups are, of course, ideal places where you can sort of learn and, and develop these things, because I think as tongues, as in just about everything else, uh, we don't start off as experts. <laughs> just following on that, that whole theme of trust, and this, this, is, this is kind of the last question. So I'm sitting here... And I'm looking at this list of amazing spiritual gifts and I'm thinking, do you know what? Voluntary poverty. I think I've really got a real thing for that one. <laughs> or martyrdom. Hmm, that's, that sounds like God's speaking to me. Well, he isn't, by the way, just, but, but he might be. How do I get to learn to develop my spiritual gifts? I suppose from, from my experience and experience of church, and, I, and I'd be interested to see what Ian's experience from a different, different culture. Uh, a lot depends on being given opportunities. I, I came from a crusader background where the, the policy for crusaders was you just got chucked in at the deep end. And if you swam, you swam. And if you didn't, then, you know, sorry. Uh, but there it is. Uh, and in some ways, I, I do think that it's down to the, the church leaders to identify gifts and encourage people in developing them. As I said this morning, I don't see anywhere in, exam in the New Testament where the church seeks volunteers. You know, every, every occasion is people were identified as being gifted and were approached by the church to do whatever it was that, that needed doing. And I think we develop those gifts in that way. But the other thing is to remember, I think, that... ...of that as well is developing a culture and giving permission for people to develop in the gifts that God's uh, given them. Um, and, and, you know, the, when, you, when you read the book of Acts, um, it's, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to the breaking of bread and to prayer and to fellowship. And uh, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, he says, when you all come together, and it must have been a small group, I think you're absolutely right, Ian, when you all come together, everyone, that's why I know it's a small group, everyone has a hymn, a song, a tongue, an interpretation, a revelation, everyone has. Now, you can't do that with 400 people, but, but um, in, a, in a smaller group, um, and that's why I would encourage, uh, if you, where's my opportunity to develop my gifts? Small groups. Start there in the small groups. Start ministering to your brothers and sisters. Allow that to be developed. Seek out mentors, people who have got the same gift of you as you, but they've matured it and developed it over time. Seek out mentors and ask, can you help me? So it's as part of the body of Christ that we are mentored. Also, 
the, the Bible says that desire, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. That's what Paul says. Uh, so there's a hunger there. And, it, and, and pursuit is the evidence of desire. And so when you pursue that mentoring, when you pursue uh, uh, stepping out, maybe tentatively at first within a small group environment where you've got the trust, and Ian, you're, you're once again spot on there, the trust culture, and you've got a culture of permission where, where, where you have leaders and mentors that say, give it a go. Give it a go. It's on the inside of you. I give you permission to step beyond the fear, to step beyond the embarrassment, to step beyond the intimidation, and, and just step into your gift gently and, and one step at a time. And when you've got that culture of permission to do that, uh, and then we start to mentor and we start to mature. So I think small groups pursue teaching. Pursue reading books. Uh, pursue studying the gift that God's given you because that knowledge and that wisdom and that understanding will help you uh, in terms of growing in your spiritual gift. And just adding on, on to that, in one of the things that we've... And when I say church, I, I don't just mean our church. I, I mean church over the ages has not been good at is forgiving when I was on a missions trip and the three of us sat there in a row one would pray in tongues and the others would look to give interpretations of that and it was interesting to see like the similarities between the things that we came up with believing for the interpretation of the the words that were spoken and I think just finding people that are wanting to explore the gifts and being in a safe place to actually explore them is really important. And in learning that, are you willing and prepared to feel a total twit? <laughs> because that was the big challenge for me. <laughs> you know, it, I, I didn't want to look and feel a total twit in learning how to develop a spiritual gift. And, and you know, there's a, our own humility, our own sort of sense of, of, of who we are in Christ means that, you know, at times, you know, God has our will. That's the thing he wants more than anything else. He doesn't, not so much our obedience, but our willingness. And if you're willing to take a chance and risk being made a total twit if it doesn't turn out right, then God's got you where he wants you. Good. I hope, everyone, that that's in some way helped you tonight to think about, well, what's my gifts? What is it that God might want to be saying to me tonight? And we're going to be entering into another time of worship. Um, I'm going to invite the band up and, and we'll, we'll start moving out of the way. But tonight's an opportunity for you to start seeking the giver of the gifts. And, and one of the things that came out of this morning, and I think it's quite important, is that for some of us, we know there's been a flame there in the past and now it's just a, a kind of a burning ember and it's not what it once was. Tonight, God might want to fan that back into flame in you or maybe to create a new spark tonight that flames up into something that maybe is, is a new thing for a new season for you as well. So I'm just going to pray. Uh, and then we're going to enter into a time of worship. Um, let's just pray. Lord.
Lord, we just thank you for all that we've heard tonight about your incredible gifts. Lord, may we be focused on you, our heavenly Father, who longs to lavish his gifts on each and every one of us. It's not about us feeling we're good enough, Saviour. So come, Holy Spirit. Fill me, fill the Ians and Sarah and everyone in this room afresh tonight that we may know more of you and more of your plans and purposes for us as individuals and as a part of this amazing body of Christ. In the name of Jesus. Amen.